Hi guys, this is Doug, and you're listening to What's the Hazard. Before we get started with today's episode, I'd like to thank our sponsors, Fallowich Construction Services, Custom Concrete Specialists, WorkSafe Consulting, the Nebraska Department of Labor On-Site Consultation Group, and our latest sponsor, Make You Safe. Thank you one and all for your support. I sincerely appreciate it. Now let's get to today's episode. It is April 7th, Friday, and I'm here in Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, I think we have made it to spring. The sun was up this morning. My buddy Andrew Huberman tells me I'm supposed to go out in the morning and stand in the sunshine, let a little little, little bit of sunshine get into my retina. So I took my coffee and my dog out onto the front porch this morning and stood out in the sunshine, the eastern sky, and uh, it was it's a fantastic way to start the day. So um, I'm excited about today's guest. We, we have been talking about doing this for quite a long time. My guest is Ed Stuber. He is with SGS Galson, uh, coming to us from New York, I believe. Yes, Are you sir. actually in New York? Not so sunny Syracuse. Not so sunny? Okay. <laughs> well, I, it's coming your way. Yeah. Um, you are the industrial hygiene portfolio lead. Uh, so you oversee much of the industrial hygiene services, I believe, for the laboratory. And uh, as most of you know, I'm an industrial hygienist by training. I started off in 1987 as an entry-level industrial hygienist with the Department of Defense. That's where I started. And I've been doing industrial hygiene work ever since. And the lab side of this is kind of the third state of uh, industrial hygiene. You've got you've got the field guys like me that are out there humping pumps and dosimeters and things, uh, dealing with the insanity of the workplace. And then you've got the research folks, uh, the NIOSH people, the ACGIH people, consensus organizations. And then behind the scenes, you kind of have the lab side, the ana- analytical chemists, the, uh, the technicians, the people that are working on methodology, the people that are helping guys like me develop sampling strategies and things like that, answering questions. And so, Ed, um, it's a pleasure to have you on, man, and uh, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for, thanks for having me. I'm repeat for it. So let's, uh, let's, let's get going. Let's talk a little bit about you and your background. I know you're a CIH, among other things. So you start, yeah. So tell me, did you start off as an IH and then move into the lab world, or were you a lab guy that became an IH? Yeah, you know, so I, I may not look it, but I've got 41 years of experience with uh, industrial hygiene. And uh, I, I actually started... Well, I graduated in 77, and OSHA uh, started in 1970. So, uh, and uh, laboratories became accredited by AIHA in 1976. So, one year after the labs were accredited, I graduated. And I graduated industrial hygiene with not well-known. There weren't any master's programs. There weren't any uh, degrees that you could get, so I had a biochemistry degree. I uh, didn't really know what the you know, I thought I wanted to be a dentist originally. That didn't work <laughs> out. So yeah, um, uh, I got a job in an ideal laboratory that was doing environmental and, and IH work, and um, I had, seemed like I had a knack for it. I picked up things pretty quickly, and um, after four or five years in that lab in Pennsylvania, I moved up to. Uh, Syracuse and started working with Galson um, back in 1982. Wow. And um, uh, 
working at that time that lab was doing IH and environmental work and I'd worked there through probably nineteen ninety six or so when it was sold. I I I was a laboratory um rat and then became um a hygienist. So um most people don't do that. Once you get into laboratory it's pretty much that's what you're gonna be doing in that kind of transitioned out of that one. So you were, were you out actually in the field then doing like sampling? Yeah, you know, yeah. So originally it was all, all lab work. And then uh, I did end up uh, doing project management for this IGN. I have in the field for two or three years. So um, I do have some experience on, like we said, humping pumps and good seminar with him, riding with forts. And uh, the worst part of doing all that was... Just trying to get doable hours. Mm-hmm. Best you may, may know, um, I've been known business to that. And yeah. So, working in a laboratory and having samples come to you and you process and then move on, it's pretty much cookbook type stuff that you're doing. Um, you're always running the same set meal, metals, VOCs, et cetera. Whereas in the field, at the hygienist, you know, you've got a lot more variety. I'm still sometimes. <laughs> yes. Um, but uh, just over the last couple of years, I've moved into a different role where now we're forward to leave from Vessel High June. And that puts me in the responsibility of being the subject matter expert for the whole company, STS, and uh, being the, the go to guy for any technical issues that might arise, both internally with our old people. And externally with uh, with our client, with yourself, you know, you deal with, like to say, you deal with our client service now. Uh, Jim Trader's excellent. He's also a CIH. Mm-hmm. Uh, like he came from the vault where also search all very well, good that give you the information that you might need. So um, it's um, it's been great because now I'm taking my, my experiences, my knowledge, and moving it forward to meet up. Our, our clients like yourself and internally with our old people. Because Dawson, <clears throat> the history of Dawson, we were a 100-person firm. We, we have 100 people, one laboratory located here in, in Syracuse, New York, doing about $25, $27 million a year, just plugging along, doing great, being innovative, et cetera. Then we fought by STS. We went from a 100-people company so like 90,000 people, 140 different countries, 1,600 different facilities and labs. But what SCS didn't have is a very good air laboratory presence. He knew Wobbly warning to the United States. So it made us the center of excellence for industrial hygiene. And they uh, said, okay, you guys know what you're doing. Keep doing it. And everything will be fine. And that's the way it's been since 19, uh, 2014, the virus. So it's been nine years, and it's been great uh, working with them. There, you know, we we are the center of excellence for investing. But well, that's incredible. I, I I have to admit, I you know, I I left OSHA at the end of 2013 and started my own business in 2014, and needed a laboratory. You know, when I worked for OSHA, it was the Salt Lake Technical Center and everything that we did yeah. went out there, Sandy, oh, yeah. Utah. 
I took a couple of industrial uh, IH chemistry classes out there at the lab and enjoyed those very much. But I'm a field guy. I'm, I'm mostly actually just a bullshitter. And so I just apply some industrial hygiene technical skills to um, what I do, you know, communication wise and try to help people understand what we're doing and what these numbers mean and how to interpret them. But I found Galson Labs, and I think at the time it was still Galson, or you were in the yeah. transitional period, and the service was excellent. And and to this day, the, I, I have to tell you, the service is excellent. The customer service representatives are always helpful, uh, always very cheerful. Um, I actually have made friends with a number of your your coworkers. I look forward to speaking with them, and they're incredibly helpful. And so, I have actually. Um, recommended to a number of my clients that they set up contracts and service agreements with you guys as well, because, you know, there are times when you might need a third party to do sampling. Uh, there might be regulatory issues or there might be legal issues that really require a third party to be doing this assessment. Right. But there are certainly times where internally a company just needs to generate some data. They just want to know something about a process and they can certainly do the sampling themselves. So a number of my clients have contracted with you and I think they would agree that, you know, the service is always excellent. And so to that, I, I just want to thank you because it makes oh. my life so much easier when I know I have somebody from a technical standpoint, I can contact and get some clarification or well, on just the fact that I know that when my, my pumps are going to arrive, they're going to arrive even in, in spite of the fact that, you know, during the COVID years, uh, there were some, disruptions yeah. in the delivery stuff but it's always been great man so whatever you guys are doing I, I commend you because the the service is impeccable yeah well that's thanks for the very kind words so we feel the same way um you know because in reality uh you know the AIPTA accredited laboratories which which is what consultants use and what then OSHA looks at and other things so you know, everyone's got the same accreditation. Uh, everyone is using the same methodologies. Everyone is using um, the same instruments, et cetera. So, you know, what's, what makes you as a, as a client want to use us versus these others? What sets us apart? And what you don't want to have setting you apart is, is just price. Um, you know, you don't want to be looked at as a laboratory. We don't want to be looked at as a commodity. Right. We don't want to be looked at like a hand thing else. It's you know get the cheap, get the cheapest one. It doesn't matter because you know all you're going to do is draw your hands. Well, you all have the same accreditation. You all have the same methods. You all use the same uh, instruments. Well, why should we use you if you're not the lowest? Offstep there, and it's it's our people. No doubt, just like you said, it's it's how we treat you. It's the transparency. It's the communication. It's the responsiveness. That we have is the support that we give you. It's the uh, truthfulness. It's it's all those things, and that's all ingrained by management, from top down to everyone. And it shows with their client service people. It shows with whoever you up with. Uh, you're gonna get that same feeling that these people know what they're talking about. They care about my my problems, my issues. But if there's a mistake or if there's an issue. We're going to own up to it. They're going to let me know. They're going to fix it. Well, it's going to be okay. So that's how we set it apart. 
and this was all done by um, my um, Galson and Galson set the sweat. Galson Laboratories was started in 1970, the same year as OSHA. It was started by two brothers, engineers, uh, and and they wanted to, and what, one was married to M Street manager, uh, White Ron Vaughn. He set up a lab in 1976 so his wife could direct it using for chemistry degree and and um we got AIH accredited one of the first ten blacks in the nation that got the accreditation and you've been accredited ever since. And the owner uh when the lab was fought in nineteen seventy six by uh the front half director who were by the lab director of uh, he instilled this is what we gotta do. Look, here's our principles, here's our mission. It's customer service focus, man. It's been a way of life here, boss. And so I'm glad to see that you realize that. And it's fantastic. You know, that's what we're doing. That's that's incredible. And that's an interesting story because it's not easy as you as you described. You know, the original Galson as a hundred person, yeah, that small family of people taking care of their clients, and then to be absorbed and to to grow by that magnitude overnight. Yeah, overnight. But to maintain that level of customer service. Okay without really a, any glitch that I was aware of. And I didn't see any, maybe on the behind the scenes, you were like, not, not really. No, it's, you know, I do give up. I didn't give STS management kudos because you can hear some horror stories where companies get, you know, swallowed up or merged or whatnot. And they lose their identity. They lose their cultured, et cetera. And they looked at us and said, you guys are the leader in the industry. We, do not want to mess you up. Okay. Continue, well, that's continue good. along. Uh, we've got your management in place. You've got your culture uh, in place. We know we just somebody else will be signing your paychecks, but other than that, you guys are doing a great job, and right. we're just supporting yourself. It's been good. It's been well, good, good for them. I'm, I'm glad that they yeah. realized that and they kept their hands off for the most yeah, they part. Yeah, they could have messed us up. They bad. could have messed they, you up badly. <laughs> well, just in general terms, talk a little bit about the types of services that SGS Galson provides. I know specifically what I use, but I know a number of listeners probably would have other needs. So can you just, in a nutshell, or quickly just go through some Yeah, Yeah, it will. Thanks for giving us giving me this opportunity. Um, you know, SCS Gawson, when, when, when I first started, we were an environmental and industrial hygiene app. We did about 50-50 in, in revenue where we were doing solar, would be waters, and big waters as rates, and air samples and that. And, and uh, in 1996, when Gawson sold themselves off and we got the lab director that was in the lab, that was part of the lab, and he goes, you know what? This environmental, it's, uh, it's high risk, it's... Uh, it's we got a lot of have a storage. We got have coolers. We got an aqua cooler. It, it's it's and it's regional. It's it's pain in the pot. Um, let's look at phasing that out and just do an air board and see how that works. And we did over a couple of years. We phased out all of our environmental work. Now we are the largest air only laboratory in the world. That's all we do. Every all of our training, all of our people, all of our instruments, all of our analyses. It's all focused on air work, and that would be OSHA compliance, work for health and safety, indoor air quality, ambient air, fence high monitoring, all that. We're, we're totally focused on 
staying up to date with OSHA regs, staying up to date with the methodology, training, giving presentations, doing uh, public service uh, announcements, uh, logs, uh, et cetera, PDCs that we get involved with. So it's all about air and industrial hygiene. And what we started from 1996, as we look forward, we want to be yeah, they you don't want to do all of in the industry. So we, when I started, we had, and everything was 10 business days for a three-round time. That was standard, and that was the practice. We went from 10 down to five business days as standard turnaround time, guarantee, or you know, hey, your questions asked. If we can't get to you as often there in, in a five-day stamp turnaround time, we will make it like 40 by not having you to pay for that. So five days are free. Then we went into a free offload program. With, if you're not familiar with that out there, we have about 1,400, 1,500 pump. That's right, not in the 150, 1,500 <laughs> that we own and maintain. We have a whole department that maintains these, that uh, makes sure they're in good operating mortar, replacing old ones that need to be replaced. But we loan these to you uh, so that you can supplement your own equipment if you, if you don't have enough pumps. Or if we don't have pumps at all, we can yeah, let you use these. Um, no charge. We pay for some shipping. Uh, they calibrate the pumps for you. Send it to the calibrator if we need it. And then you collect your samples. And back to us, the only date for the analysis. So the free pump load. Then we went to free sampling badges. Where now we give you the, the passive monitors at no cost. Just like we give you cassettes with food. Mm-hmm. So another innovation there. Then we developed kits, sampling kits for in your quality with well and lead. So now you can get, uh, in addition to the lab work, if we get rental equipment from us. So now we, we provide you with notice of seminars, uh, compliance days, scanners, CIDs, et cetera. Uh, you pay shipping one way, and we pay the shipping back for you. And now we're giving you equipment, direct read instruments. We're doing lab work, giving me enough. Uh, five days are free. And uh, the latest innovation that we have now is we're really working on what is the next level going to be with industrial hygiene and samples and laboratories. But we're looking at sensors. Sensors seem to be uh, the darling of the industrial IT world now. Where uh, with COVID hitting two years ago, and now people are re-entering the buildings that. And the workforce again, uh, workers want to know, now is it safe to be in these buildings on an indoor? Uh, employers want to know, is it safe for them uh, to have workers stuck in there on public uh, injury buildings? So, you know, how do you do that? We can't just keep collecting year samples and, and sending them in. Need something that was going to tell somebody in real time what the quality is in the air and whether it's uh, a safe environment that. So real-time sensors are the big right now. Uh, we we developed just our own sensors, not developed sensors, but the uh, instruments that use the sensors that could be either rented for short-term duration or firmly installed. Been it's with our smart sense units that we have, uh, custom built or you know we can pop and play in sensors that are out there. So we're looking at you know what. What can we do to keep working in the air field with the laboratory that we primarily are? We know laboratory analysis is never going to 
go away, probably want to supplement. So we supplement breathal equipment. Now we're supplementing with sensors and how they can provide that truly our uh, our people. So I love that's, that. That's what we're doing. That's really interesting because um, you know I've been doing this since '87 and I've seen quite an evolution of the uh, you know just the um, sampling technology in and of itself, but yeah. the analysis as well. Um, I can remember when I first started, we were using um, impingers yeah. with fluid in them hanging from somebody's, you know, lapel yeah, or you something. Yeah, you had a nitric acid or sodium hydroxide or whatever. Exactly. Hanging from their chest. Yeah, they would have to stand upright the whole time. If they leaned over, all that <laughs> yeah. shit all over the place. Or I yeah. can remember having to sample okay. like, with Tedlar bags. We would have to fill bags up with carbon with gas of some sort and then what? send the, the bag into the lab. It has come so far. Um, it, it's so. really interesting. I mean, just one example. And one of the things, everything that you mentioned, I take advantage of. So again, thank you for that. The free loaner program, uh, the equipment rental, um, you know, those types of services have been really useful as a, I'm just a sole proprietor. I'm just a one man shop. So when I left OSHA, I didn't have any money. Uh, in part because of my time with OSHA, I didn't have any money, I, I, you know, but um, I couldn't purchase a lot of equipment when I first started doing my own work. And so the free loaner program, the rental program was incredibly useful. Yeah. But I can remember just as an example, respirable dust, you know, when I started, we were using those old nylon cyclones, the big one cumbersome, they just kind of yeah. hung there. And then there was an aluminum cyclone. Yep. And now we're using the little particle impactors, the PPI, which are, let let me just say from the standpoint of the IH out in the field, this is a great benefit, but to the employees that are wearing this shit for eight hours or more, this is tremendous. And the, you know, the the advent or at least the acceptance of the badges that you mentioned, the passive monitors, so much better than changing charcoal tubes every 15 minutes or whatever. And I mean, it's, it, it has come a long way, and I, I'm sure you have seen quite a progression over your over your. I've seen the same because of the length of time that I've been from like you know, like I said, when I first started, you know, collecting samples within ten years. Uh, I remember at the laboratory, from the laboratory standpoint, the methodology has has changed a lot. The instrumentation has really changed a lot, also because back when I started, say, running metals, you had uh, a flame, a flame AA where you run one metal at a time. So you run all your LEDs and then you switch everything over and then you run all your, it's like, that's how you did it. And you, you, you did anything, uh, never had any, didn't have procures. It was printing vapor that was giving you the results and then you have to tap you in do it. Now, and then it went to uh, ICPs where you can take one sample, run it, through the ICP one time and get 20 or 30 different metals all at once. Mm-hmm. It's done, done deal. GCs, we, I remember in GCs when we were running all tools on a GC, we'd let it and the chromatograph would come out and you get this peak and it comes over. And then we take that peak and we'd have to cut it out and weigh it <laughs> in, to get the results. And then, and now everything's so automated, we put it on an auto sample. If you come into our lab and you look in our instrument room, you will never, all you'll see is instruments. You'll see batches and fetches of instruments with auto samplers mm-hmm. on top of them. 
I would you, love to come out sometime, man. That'd yeah, you really should. It's fascinating. But you see, you say, well, where is everybody? Well, all the technicians are in uh, a bullpen with cubicles. They're 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 monitoring and they're running the instruments remotely. Um, and they can do it from home on the weekends, after hours, et cetera. The only time they're in the instrument room is when they're loading samples. Mm-hmm. And if I say, if we see somebody in the instrument loop and they're not loading samples, there's a problem. That's really fantastic. It's come a long way. And one thing that it's helped is just the, the, just the, the volume or the quantity of sample that you have to take in order to do that. As you said, if you were doing one metal at a time, yeah. Or, you know, if you were doing analysis like that, yeah, it really required a lot more sample. Yeah. So yeah. let's cut back on that, too, which has made my life easier as well. So Yeah, it's it's come a long way both in the field and how, like I said, going from uh, end years to the tubes to acid monitors, worn from nylon cyclones, aluminum cyclones to PPIs. Um, so it's, it's, it's been fantastic. It's, yeah, it certainly made my life easier, man. So I appreciate that because that's really what is ultimately most important to me is uh, if you're the guy that's up at four in the morning hooking people up with pumps and you're you know chasing guys <laughs> around all day long, you know, and as you've experienced that, that's been my life for the last 35 years is basically um, watching employees um, either with intent or inadvertently screwing up my shit, you know, so dropping pumps or. Mm-hmm. You know, back in the day when noise dosimeters had a cord that ran to the microphone. Yeah. I can remember I had a metal fabrication facility. I'd hook these guys up, and then I'd go back to check on them periodically, and the cords would be cut because they're working around sharp metal, climbing under stuff. Windscreen to be off, yeah. They'd pull the cord loose, or they'd pull the windscreens off. It was just, you know, my whole day was spent just babysitting. Yeah equipment and things are so much easier now you got the wireless beach heat you got that wire oh yeah man it is right on exactly it's it's really tremendous and so you talked about sensors and you know direct reading real-time measurements um and i think as you said i really i i would foresee that as being the future of what we do for a number of reasons just like in um smart smart factories there will be sensors that are monitoring continuously um, just to measure those things. I work with a company called Make You Safe out of Des Moines that is, uh, they they make um, wearable devices for individuals that will be doing some level of monitoring throughout the day. They will be monitoring for noise levels. And so rather than just doing traditional industrial hygiene where you take a sample and that is just representative of that day and time you know, on the date that I did the sampling under those conditions, right. that's what we got. You know, the sensors will allow for much more data, much better interpretation. I mean, that's very exciting to me. So very, very much so, yes. It looks good. You know, and and I think the future, you know, as we're as we're moving on, uh, it's gonna be more and more right like right now sensors are being placed in, in buildings and roads um, and doing continuous monitoring and then all the zip cloud and in on the URLs and we can see all the data. But I think at some point, you know, we're going to be seeing these sensors being uh, worn just like you wear a Fitbit or an Apple Watch or anything. 
you know, in the Fitbits and the Apple Watches now, you can get your heart rate, you can check for any bit of uh, what pressure more. You get these be bi biomedical uh, readings, but eventually I think you know, we'll have sensors on here that will be looking at potential for exposures for welding tombs, particulates in general, maybe VOCs, et cetera. And all that data is going to be right there on your phone, real time. And uh, it's just a matter of, you know, with years probably that we'll be in that, in that round. But, yeah. You know, and safe. That's exciting stuff. Now, I don't know if I'll be around to see that or if yeah. you will be around. What, what what are your plans, man? You got some more years left in you, or what's the... Yeah, you know, I do. I, so I've got a daughter that in grad school, she's just turned 24. She's got two years, so she'll be 26. So I think I'll hang on for another two years till she graduates and she becomes a non-dependent and <laughs> has a job, hopefully, and um, it's her own insurance center. So I've got, I've got a couple of years. Yeah. Uh, she's actually going to be a... She's a PhD. She's going to have a PhD in audiology. So oh, no kidding. Similar to well, she'll be working with with people with hearing and and that. So she's yeah. We talk. We talk this. You decibels every week to the wall. Absolutely. And that. Uh, but I, I I do hope to do some. Um, you know, so I'll retire maybe two years, and then uh, I do like to travel. You now with my wife, we take some pretty nice vacations, but. One of the things I do like to do is some, you know, venturing. In the past, I've actually uh, summoned Mount Kilimanjaro in, in Tanzania. And that's, I did that with my son, who was 18 at the time. And that's about 20,000 feet, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's uh, 18.5 or something like that. The highest, and, uh, highest peak in Africa? Or? It's the highest peak in Africa. Uh, second, third highest peak outside the Himalayas. Mm -hmm. No covered. Um, we're was starting. It, was it? He, he's just right at the just south of the equator. It's unbelievable. He started in rainforest, and six, seven days later, and standing on glaciers. You're, the, yeah, you're on a glacier. Dormant, That's amazing. Dor dormant volcano. So that was a quite an adventure. Uh, I'd run with the bulls um, <laughs> over in Apopon, Spain. I went there, and the first we didn't know what we were doing. They run, they run like four days, and mm -hmm. every night the bulls go into the arena and then they and do the thing there. But, so the first day we go there, we'll see we get around the bulls to get out there. We got in the wrong place, and the, and the police security came in, and they pepper sprayed everyone to get us out of there. <laughs> so we had a bad first day experience there. But after that, we realized, well, we don't go there. We go over here. Yeah, yeah. And then we ran with the bulls, and that was pretty. We did that in everything. Extremely, that gets your heart pumping. Oh, I'll bet you will never ever outrun a bull. So, oh, I'll bet. I, I used to use when I was doing training. You know, I used to use a photograph that it was taken uh, many years before with the running of the bulls, where some guy was getting gored right through his leg, and you can uh, see that. I'll be seeing a picture. I, yeah, I'm sure you've it. seen it. I, hopefully, it wasn't you at the time. No, but... no, we 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 survived with uh, no no That's injuries. Awesome. You expensive time. So, you mentioned you've got a trip planned. You're going out to Washington. I do. I do this fall. But end of August, I've looked gone back out to Washington to find uh, Mount Rainier. It's it's only fourteen five. I say only. I mean that's still pretty we good height, but it's the most glaciated um, mountain in uh, 
uh, outside of Alaska in, okay. in the U.S. And so it's a lot of uh, crampon, roofing. You see those those aluminum ladders that go over crevasses. Uh, we'll be doing that. You know that's a violation um, of OSHA regulations. Yeah, probably. I don't... <laughs> Every time I see those guys walking those aluminum ladders, I'm thinking, there's a citation. Yeah. So I've been I've been doing some uh, since uh, I live in Syracuse, um, and we do get a lot of snow. And I like this I like the snow ski, so we do a lot of snow skiing in that. But I've been actually training with crampons and uh, town at and going up the ski slopes here. We have the crampons on to this up. Uh, from the from from now on till I get out to out to out to Washington, there won't be any snow. I won't be able to do any training with that. So I'm trying to do it in now. And then uh hopefully everything will go according to plan. Yeah. And, uh, it'll be good. Well, could, we used to drag you know, so uh when I was working out, we used to drag sleds around. So we would Yeah. Put weight on a sled, hook up some kind of a harness, drag that up and down the hills, man. That's I can put on some crampons and do that. I can yeah, see that. There you go. <laughs> it's pretty exciting. flat, pretty flat in Nebraska, isn't it? It, it well, we have a hill. I mean, do you have a hill? Nothing. We have a hill that we climb once in a while. I mean, everybody's there, so it gets a little crowded. But yeah, but we do have. Um, there's actually a little bit of terrain, but it is pretty flat. It is if if you want to get into the mountains, you have to go west about eight hours, and oh, yeah. you can get to the mountains. I've got a son that lives out in Colorado, and he is basically living your life. You know, that's forty years ago. He's yeah, I would I would love to do things. I would love to do that. We have the Adirondack Sphere, which is about two three hours north of here, where they have about an out of snow four thousand five thousand foot and then that crazy. It's nice. I, I don't know what the highest peak in Nebraska is. I'm guessing the highest point, other than maybe just like Chimney Rock or something, the highest point in Nebraska might be 1,500 feet. Maybe I don't know something like that. Man, that's that's more than I would get. Yes, <laughs> right. I. Ed, man, it has been a pleasure. I I've really enjoyed this. I like I said before, I really appreciate everything that you and the lab do for us. Those of us that are still out here humping pumps and things, we're good. Uh, it is a tremendous service, and I, I've had great experiences with all your folks. So thank you for that. And um, I'm looking forward. Maybe we can do this again after your yeah. I'd love to hear about the climb and how yeah, that goes. I would, yeah, I would. I'd love to come back again and and you know, even talk you know about that. some of the some of the stories. I didn't want to put you on the spot, but. There have I have had some incredible screw ups over the years with either the sampling that I was doing or with the employees that were being sampled. It'd be kind of fun just to talk about some of those mis missteps over the years too, as well at some point. Yeah, I, I, I get some good stories. I'd back four <laughs> years or something. Yeah. Um, we're gonna put um, for those of you listening, we're gonna put the uh, website information SGS Galson in the in the uh episode notes of this particular episode so you should reach out to galson um sgs i I should say perhaps and um almost every company that i work with most of my clients are industrial manufacturing facilities we do work with some construction folks Um, one of the things that we did not talk about that i think we'll just mention briefly on our way out is that the website has a number of really useful video clips about how to do sampling, how to use particular equipment, 
you know, if you are unfamiliar with some of the equipment, and I really appreciate that because there have been times where due to um, supply issues, I have gotten uh, equipment that I wasn't familiar with. And normally I would just go into a state of panic if I didn't know how to run a piece of equipment, but I can go onto the website. I can find a link to that little video clip learn the equipment quickly and have no problem using it. So that that's also been incredibly useful. It was very handy with that. Yeah, man. So it's all good. So Ed, thank you very much. Please, you know, again, pass my gratitude on to all the folks that are working that. for you in the, in the department and uh, have a great weekend. Okay. And I hope we get it. Yep. Happy soon, Easter man. to everyone. Happy Easter to you too, buddy. Thank you very much. Thanks everybody for listening. Have a great weekend and a great Easter as Ed said, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. A Huda Media Production.